We're going to carry on looking through the book of James uh, this morning. And uh, God is speaking to us. Many of us are finding whichever way we turn, whichever book we read or preacher we listen to or uh, conversation we have, uh, God is bringing us back uh, to these things because he's building into us. And as we look at this this morning, remember this is the God, this God of love, the God who, who we've been celebrating the power of his forgiveness, uh, the completeness of his forgiveness. And he lays out before us uh, what he wants so that we can live in the way that he commends to us. You know, if you love someone, you want to please them, don't you? Yeah? Do you? Yeah, yeah. You want to please them. It, it just follows naturally. And we want to please him. And live in a way that commends what he's like. Because he's called us, not just to have sort of meetings in buildings, but to be the representative of Almighty God on earth. What was I saying? Yes, representatives of God. What a privilege you know, to actually say, I am a representative of the Most High God. Do you ever introduce yourself like that? Hmm. But we could do, it'd be accurate. But let's just, uh, let's just pick up some things here in order to help us and to avoid the pitfalls that uh, are set for us. And let's also <coughs> remember uh, that and I, I want you to keep very clear on this as we, we go through. Um, God requires that we represent him. We represent him as a God of love by loving. We can't just kind of put on, it has to come from the heart. It can't just be an external thing. It, it can't, it's not just about good behavior or doing the right things. It has to be something which is expressing what's on the inside. So, if at the end of what we're talking about today, in this next verse or two in James, we've just modified behaviour, we've missed the plot. Because all the time, he's talking about the change which comes from the inside, not just modifying behaviour. In fact, let me just remind you that very, very important chapter, before we come into James, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. See, God and the God of the new covenant is never going to be satisfied with a, a, a modification of external behaviour. He's requiring that there's a heart attitude towards him. So let's, with that ringing in our ears and taking that on, let's turn to the next verses that we got to um, and this is James still in chapter 1, this is verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, if we were to go around the room and answer the question, have you ever responded a bit quick and wish you could have sort of sucked the words back? Hmm? There's not many that would say, don't know what you're talking about. So it's pretty easy to identify what he's talking about here, about a a quick response. Uh, But we live in an electronic age where there can be other than verbal responses, what I call snippy emails, where you've not got to actually face the person, but you can put a quick answer to that down and tell them, or the other things, text and all that other, face Twitter and all that sort of stuff. So, in fact, it's probably easier even to do a quick answer responding from emotion when you've not even got to say it to the person's face. But God is the eternal God. He's the God of the electronic age as well. And his grace is sufficient. And he, his instruction does not change. And therefore, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Somebody said that's actually why we've got just one mouth and two ears, that we could do more listening and less speaking. Um, That that phrase we use, count to ten before you answer. I mean, I know it's not in the Bible, but it's good, isn't it? It's it's sound, you know? Uh, um, In fact, as we go on through James, if we ever get there before Jesus comes, I don't know, but you've got all this stuff in James chapter 3 um, and uh, goes on about if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds. This was, of course, you know, in the days of sailing ships. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member. Check it, have a feel, poke it out if you're not sure. It's not very big, smaller than your head in most cases anyway. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Yeah, we're all on the same page can do a lot of damage. Uh, so, instructs us about being uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. And it's very important that we catch hold of that. Let's look at some other scriptures to, to just help us uh, understand. Let me just go through these, these quickly um, so that we can get a grasp 
on that. Proverbs 18, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinion. Much to say, little to take in. Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs, the, vo the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. Have you ever seen anybody having a meal on gossip? Have you ever heard anybody having a meal on gossip? Uh, I, I get amazed. I, I remember when I used to, uh, when I was um, back in the city, in those days it was common to, to have lunch in a restaurant at lunchtime. Sandwiches had been developed then, but they weren't as big, you know. And the worst thing that could happen, because it's very concentrated, everybody's coming at the same time, so you didn't have a choice of where you sat, but to sit at a table, and there would be a couple of people. Now, this is not sexist, but let's just say there was a couple of women opposite. There could be men, but... And their meal, I don't know what they were eating, but what they were really eating was... I had a, a, a wonderful ability to, to kind of filter it out, to just disappear into my own world. But if I tuned in, they could spend the whole time feeding on these morsels. Not what was on their plate, but what was in their heads and what was in their hearts. When they dissecting and going on and on and on about the fault of this woman in the office or something like that. You know, when the Bible says about feeding on choice morsels, it really goes to the heart of things. It's possible to actually feed on this wrong kind of food going into the wrong place, but it's possible to do that. Be very careful of the things that we say and selective on what we hear. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Hum. Let's pass over that one quick. Yeah? But we don't really want to because we want to be real. What about giving an account for every word? For every careless word that's spoken. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Let your conversation, Colossians, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Salt, the preservative the texture enhancer, the flavor enhancer, the nutrient source, the binder, the color enhancer. All things that salt does is using that particular description to see how important it is. What about listening? The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's, no, there's more hope for a fool than from him. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You ever tried that? You feel that you want to make an appropriate respond. Anyway, I'm going to tell you something about yourself. And then you choose... A different answer. 
Anybody ever practice that? Hmm? You wouldn't admit it? No, it's a good thing to admit. Yeah? It's possible to do it. Because everything that God tells us to do, he enables us to do. Soft answer turns away wrath. Harsh word stirs up anger. Some real important wisdom there. Things that God wants us to take hold of. So we don't say unhelpful things. We don't react before we've been, before we've really heard what's saying. We don't act out of emotions instead of out of God's grace. And it's not okay because it's typed rather than spoken. And we have to be very, very careful. We are a people of this age. We have the advantages of this age. We have the increased opportunities or temptations of this age. To stop and think, what is the purpose of saying what you're saying right now? What is the purpose of it? Is it to build up or is it to tear down? See, the Bible tells us, and this is very encouraging, what we've received is not the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age, but we have received the spirits from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. It's in the plan and purpose of God that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're of a different spirit. We're living from a different life source. Not receive the spirit of this age. Then it goes on to say, I'm looking for a nod from my operators. It's okay? To, okay, well, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Mm. I love the King James on this one. The anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. But I'm not recommending that you live in the King James. It just sometimes comes across really well. But you say, and quite rightly so, God gives us emotions. Uh, but here's the important thing. Now, many years ago, in bygone times, when the skies were always blue, little white fluffy clouds scudded across, the grass was green, no weeds grew. There was a boy who loved trains. So much so, in his early years, he used to go and look at them and take their numbers and he was what has since become called a train spotter. In those days, you see, you come here, you get history lessons, right? In those days, there were a variety of trains. I'm talking proper trains. None of this diesel, electric and all that nonsense. Actual smoke and fire, yeah, yeah. Now, a proper train, I've shortened it because I don't have much space on here. 
And Ben Paisley has got a vested interest that I don't smash his train up. <laughs> right. A proper train was where you had the engine in front, then the carriage or carriages, and at the back, what was called a guard's van. And here was a man with a flag, and he had certain responsibilities, all right? Now, there were those constituent parts. Occasionally, very bizarrely, it would kind of go wrong. And the carriage would get hooked up when it shouldn't have done. Bear with me a second while I don't break Ben's train. Occasionally, you get something like that. Can you see it? You can't see it. Stand up. Somebody big in front of you, push them down. It's very important that you see this. It would ruin your whole day because the guard's van was in the wrong place. Or you might have a situation, usually to do with shunting and things, where you've got something like that. I mean, but... What we always were looking for, or these people that did these things years ago, was things in their proper order. Because in those days, things were in their proper order. Yeah? Lots of things were in their proper order. I could tell you lots of them. Where you've got the engine, the carriage, and the guard's van. Should be at the back. Because if something comes undone, they would sort of let somebody know, the signalman or something, that there's bits of train still hanging around on the line or something like that. Yeah? Now, just understand that God created us body, soul, and spirit. Soul or emotions, God gave them to us. The important thing is, is not that we don't have emotions. Not that we don't have body, but that they are in the right order. And the Bible tells us this, as many as are the sons of God, Romans 8, are led by the Spirit of God. And it's absolutely critically important that we're led by the Spirit, not led by our emotions. So God does not create people that are without emotions and without feeling, without joy, without uh, Anger, all these things. In fact, he says, be angry and don't sin. But there are emotions, but they have to be directed by the Spirit, used by God in his purpose. And let us never think that we can achieve the righteousness of God on the basis of the strength of our emotions or by anything else of that nature. It has to be exactly as we do what God gives us to do, and God leads us spirit to spirit. He leads us by the Spirit. And it's important that we keep that in mind. Do you think you understand that? Were you excited to hear how things were in a bygone time, in a more ordered age? Well, I can tell you more stories about that. I, I learnt them all from Lynn Coles. Right.
So let us remember that in your anger not to sin, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. We cannot achieve the purpose of God by whatever emotion it must be. We must be doing what we do on the strength that God gives us by his grace. And there's no point in simply modifying behavior um, and at the same time not seeing anything change on the inside. In fact, you've got to ask yourself, why would I want to justify my behavior when he wants me to be completely changed and set free inside? And you remember what he said to the Pharisees? He said, you know, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Uh, he wants something that deals with the inside. So we were thinking about this earlier, and um, particularly that, that song that we started off the second session with always sticks out to me. It's like this, the weaknesses that I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. And sometimes in life, I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, oh dear, yeah, I'm a bit grubby. Uh, I, can't, I can't quite reach it. I can't, I can't fix that. So instead of, instead of that, I, I just work on the outside because I can, I can reach that. I can, I can modify my behavior. And I was thinking of when, when I was younger, I've, I've, I've told this story a few times, but would, would be very good at judging people and writing them off. And I knew it was wrong, and I knew it was dirty, and I knew it was right down in the bottom of me. But I, I just couldn't reach it. I couldn't, I couldn't make myself feel nicer about people. So instead, I just worked on the outside, and I worked on making lists that are nice about people and trying to remember, oh, yes, well, yeah, that, that really annoys me about Richard Hilton, but, but at least he's got a nice head, and he, <laughs> he, he likes Power Rangers, and I like Power Rangers, and, and trying to think of those things but I couldn't get down to, down, down to the depths of it. And that's kind of what, what we're feeling for, for what we're talking about today. Why would I focus on behavior modification when he wants to do deep cleaning and he's a, is available to actually set me free? And there's a, the verse that we're thinking about was in Ezekiel. It says... And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your, uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I couldn't do it for myself. I couldn't replace my heart of stone. That's what it was. I couldn't reach it. It was too deep down in me. But he was willing and he was able to do it. And it was by the power of his love that the weaknesses in me were stripped away. Thank you. All right, so we're looking at the real thing that God does, not just an external thing because that's really never going to be satisfactory in the new covenant. In the old covenant under the law, uh, the external was satisfactory. But the new covenant dealt with the internal, not just actions on the outside, but thoughts and intents attitudes of the heart. And so, he goes on to say, 
about being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So here's an instruction. Get rid of all moral filth. Now, what do we know? Every instruction contained in the word of God comes with the power of God to do it. All that's required of us is to choose to be obedient and God provides the power. So we know whenever there's an instruction, along with that is the God-given power and ability to do that. Not that we can do it, but that if we choose, then God will enable us by his power to live in a way, not just on the outside, but on the inside, a way that's pure and clean. Last week we touched on this about who can uh, ascend the hill of the Lord, come into that place that God calls us to in, present, in his presence and worship. He who has clean hands, well that could be on the outside, but also pure heart. Very, very important. It becomes particularly important given the age in which we live when we are constantly bombarded by not only uh, filth and porn, but negative um, opportunities. And I want in this context to talk about not just porn, but anything else which has a negative impact. Basically, would you watch it? Would you read it? Would you listen to it if Jesus was right there with you? Does it bring you closer to Jesus by participating in that? And it's important that we bear in mind the seriousness of it. 2 Corinthians tells us this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. There is a reckoning and a responsibility. Evil which is so prevalent. Well guys, you, you really don't need me to be explaining the prevalence of what is in the world we live. This talking about moral filth is about uh, areas pertaining to lust and behaviour like that, but of course that extends not, not just into things sexual, but into anything which would take over, it may be anger, it may be hunger, it may be any desire there of jealousy, something which gets a grip in that way. You hear these days about um, social network bullying, prevalent evil. We spent some time uh, in the previous session defining sin. Um, but let's understand here we're talking about lust, not just about acts. It's a very, very serious situation. <clears throat> I saw recently that there's a, a plan afoot to 
actually put porn on the school curriculum to teach that. Like good and bad. Kind of stretches my mind. Like, how can you teach you teach good bank robbers and bad bank robbers? I mean, you know. But that's the kind of upside down crazy world in which we live. You know, I want us to affirm and assert all over again that God has given to us the ability in him, if we choose to live pure and to live clean. We do not have to, of course, we're bombarded by temptation. And I refer you again to how we defined this a little while ago. But we do not have to give way to or submit to it or yield to it. And let's never think that there's a place of acceptability for these kind of things, for engaging in things which are not pure, which are not wholesome. It's not pleasing to God. And we are a people who are wanting to represent God. And we've already seen, and I refer again to the fact, you cannot represent God simply by external behavior. There has to be something, because we communicate what we are. There has to be something that's coming from the purity of our walk with him. And he empowers us to be able to walk clean and to walk pure. And the excuse of the bombardment of the age really doesn't work when he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And when he provides everything we need for life and godliness, he's made every provision for us. So, what do we do? <clears throat> Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you. The word planted in us, the things that he's spoken in his word, and Christ himself, the things he's already said. The Holy Spirit enables us to be able to live according to his word. If we choose that, we have his power. I choose, he empowers, Jesus is in me, but we cooperate with him. <clears throat> when the boys were growing up, um, when it came round to Dawn's birthday, we wanted them to, to participate in that expression of celebration and, and gratitude. And you know, they weren't of a, an age that they could sort of go to the shops and do something. So, for one of the rare occasions, I participated in that because it always had to be a surprise. She liked surprises. So, they chose that they wanted to do it. They had to contribute their money to it. I enabled or empowered them to do it. It's a similar thing. We choose to do it. We make a commitment to it. We choose to give of ourselves into it and we are empowered by God to actually do it. We get cleansed by the washing of the word. One of the things that God does for us when we are baptised in water is he cuts us off. We're done and finished with stuff pertaining to the past. We celebrate that. 
Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay on a path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. How? I have hidden your word in my heart. So critical and so important. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me with your decrees. With my lips I recount, I speak out, I declare. I rejoice in your, in your statutes. I meditate on your ways. I delight, I will not neglect your word. How do you neglect the word? Neglect the word um, by failing to learn it, failing to know it. My people are destroyed, Hosea 4, from lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. You've ignored the law of the Lord. Not about just listening. It's about taking up and acting on it. So, what is this saying to us? Hey, best think before you speak. Best see, is this what God wants? Before you retort, before you do that snippy response, whether it's typed or spoken, to just say, Lord, is this what you want? Not just reacting. What does he want? That our emotions are there because he gave them to us, but they need to be kept in their rightful place, not lead by the emotions, but be led by the Spirit. That We need to commit to reading his word and living by his word, recognizing that we can't do it on our own. We need God's help to enable us to actually do that. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? How far are we away from standing before God? Do you ever think that? How far are you away? How far am I away from standing before God? Maybe one heartbeat? To be absent from the body is present with the Lord just one moment of time when all those things that are hidden are be revealed where we recognize even before that the eye of the Lord is in every place every place that's not just on the exterior it's on the interior it's about living beyond feeling it's about feeling and feelings having their rightful place, but living according to his word. It's a very, very important thing. And we've been celebrating God's forgiveness and God's goodness, and God's cleansing power. And we receive what he says to us. We should be, and we are empowered to be, slow to speak, quick to listen, and to get rid of moral filth. We have chosen to walk with God. That's why we've always taken a clear and definite position 
against wrong things being said or right things being said to wrong people. Both come under the category of gossip. I would like to think that we take equally strong position just as our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ himself does, when he says, get rid of all moral filth. We can't have that. We can't be weakened by gossip. We can't be weakened by disunity. We can't be weakened by allowing any form of sin, in spite of the quality or the poor quality of the world in which we live. He brings us to a place and gives us victory and enables us to live righteously. So let me encourage you as the word of the Lord, encourage you to that place of saying, you know, God has made provision for you to live in a particular and special way as representatives of the Most High God. Just as we conclude, uh, Dave's going to just bring us a song, um, an old song that we've used a long time ago, which just helps us to recognize something of the provision that God has made for us. Thank you, Dave.